It's April. That means it's draft month, boys and girls. Let's get right down to the nitty gritty here. We're talking trenches tonight. Let's get after it. Hi, it's draft month. It's April. That means it's almost go time. Three weeks from tomorrow is the first round of the NFL draft. Happy wedding month to my friend, Brandon Snide, who scheduled his wedding on draft weekend for reasons I'm not completely sure of. I still He gave me the reason, whatever the reason was, it was not good enough. I'm your host this evening for this show. I am Jacob Westendorf. I'm joined by Jacob Morley, and I come with an apology. To last week's guest, Brendan Dwarzynski, to whom I claimed would lose the Kansas Jayhawks to the Duke Blue Devils in the national championship game. Not only did they not lose to the Duke Blue Devils, they did not play the Duke Blue Devils. (laughs) Duke lost to North Carolina on Saturday night, and Kansas then has the largest comeback in NCAA tournament final history to beat North Carolina. And a small thing for me that was a little satisfying just as a casual Wisconsin fan, more than anything, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. I hate those teams. Uh, maybe it's because I don't know a lot of Duke fans, but I find the Carolina fan base to be the one that is the most insufferable. Uh, their discussion that they are the pinnacle of college basketball. But then after they lose the national title game saying, well, at least we beat Duke. Like so, the measurement of success is to beat the Duke Blue Devils, a rival that you claim you're superior to. I liken it to the example of if the Packers had lost to the Steelers in the Super Bowl 45, I would have said, "Well, at least we beat the Bears." Like we're the Packers, we don't care about beating us. But that's enough college basketball. We are done with college hoops. Jake Morley, congratulations! Uh, I know you at one point in your life were a Kansas Jayhawks fan. He's my co-host tonight. No longer my co-host on Pack Day, so I feel like I haven't seen you in six months. Yeah, it's been weird. I feel like we got a lot of unpacking to do today because we haven't talked since last Wednesday. We haven't talked. We talk yeah. to you every day. <laughs> yeah, I would say I talk to you more than my wife sometimes. She's getting a little suspicious, but no. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be up and running here. It is draft month. April is one of the best times of the year for sports. You get the Final Absolutely. Four National Championship run. If you're into golf – Uh, You get the Masters, which uh, Tiger Woods, Go Tiger Go, is going to play this week. So that that has drawn my interest as a casual golf fan. I will be rooting for Tiger Woods this week. And, of course, like my good friend Mr. Labo mentions, the Green Bay Draft Guide release date is almost here. So, Jake Morley, let's give these guys a little preview here. Everybody who's here, we both wrote features on on the Packers for this draft guide. What was yours about? Well, the my feature, I almost feel like I put more, more work into that this year than I did uh, the, the scouting and the write-ups because that's something I've done the last several years. But uh, the, the feature that I've got coming through um, is it's a beast. It's big. And it is our top 300 players basically sifted through filters that 
we like to put on players, you know, at, athletic thresholds, age, size, weight, arm length, hand size, like all that stuff. And it's basically green means good. Yellow means close. Red means that would be the first time they've ever taken a player like that. So every player has those three, you know, criteria and you can look through it. And today when we get into interior defensive linemen, I'll, I'll talk about some guys that in the, you know, who they've looked at in the past, what they care about for interior defensive line or what I at least could glean from looking at their picks in the past about what they care about. Um, and that's all in there as well. Talking about like, Hey, like for example, for corners and wide receivers, and offensive line even, it's pretty well documented what they like. And they've even gone out and t- like more or less admitted it. But positions like inside linebacker, interior defensive line, like we're talking about today, that stuff is a little yeah, that stuff is a little bit hit and miss, but there are there are common themes. Um, and the more we get goody drafting these guys, the more we'll see if those themes are real or not. Um, but we're taking a stab at it. But I am almost as excited for people to get a look at to get a load of that as opposed, you know, to the all the guide and stuff too. It's it's going to be awesome. Cannot wait for you guys to see it. Yeah, coming out very soon here. One point I do want to get to here: Travis Jones, the Chris Olave of the defensive lineman amongst Packers Twitter. I'm going to claim to be first on both of those guys because I was all in on Travis Jones initially, and I am the first person, to my knowledge, amongst Packers Twitter that said. Chris Olave is wide receiver one, and I am not wavering from that as we get even closer to the draft as we go here. My feature for this guide is about teams that have done something similar, taking a similar approach to what the Packers have done. And the two teams I highlighted specifically were the Pittsburgh Steelers and the and the New Orleans Saints, uh, two teams that are now in their transition period, but basically after shoving a bunch of money into the future and going, quote, unquote, all in with their quarterback. How did they fare? There was one stat in there about one of those two teams that I just found absolutely wild considering the team that it is. What that is, purchase the draft guide and you'll find your way. So you'll have to do that. So we're talking about, (laughs) we're talking about themes and everything right here. I have a link to an article that I am sharing in the chat for you guys here, but it is talking about how maybe this year could be a little bit different for the Packers uh, just because, and here's the link. I'll throw it up here on the page. It's by Ross. I'll go my friend over at Packer report and he's only my friend. He's not Jacob's friend. So I don't know why I said it that way, but I did. Talking about how the pandemic could change the way the Packers typically do things. One of the things that you talked about Green Bay really being interested in, um, you know, you talked about their athletic thresholds. You talked about some different things that they have as far as size, arm lengths, just all that juicy combine stuff. The other thing they really have liked is age. And the Packers prefer their players, their first round picks specifically, to be younger. The oldest rookie that Brian Gutekunst has taken was Eric Stokes, who turned 22 within days of the draft. It wasn't very long after the draft. Otherwise, it's basically been 21 or 22. And it really is wild to go through some of this stuff just to see. Like, I mean, this even goes back to Ted Thompson, BJ Raji, 22, Clay Matthews, 22, Dayton, Haha, Demarius Randall, Kenny Clark was 20. Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, and Jordan Love were all 21 years old when they selected them. The Packers prefer their players to be a little bit younger. However, the argument that or the discussion that article promotes is that the Packers maybe have to alter some things because if you start looking at this board and look at athletic thresholds and age preferences and athletic scores and just all of that stuff that you know the Packers you can kind of build a predictive board based on, it gets really small. 
And the board has to break really well for Green Bay to be able to find players like that in that round. So that's where, like, I've been less dismissive this year about, like, Bernard Raymond, for example. Bernard Raymond's, like, 45 years old when he's going to be drafted here at the end of the month. Um, Devontae Wyatt, 24 years old. And for people to be like, oh, they're probably not going to take those guys. Probably. But, like, it's hard to know what they're going to do because COVID – it really fucked everything up guys. Like, I mean, not just the world, but the draft, even two years later, you're yeah. seeing this guys like Jermaine Johnson, guys like Devonte Wyatt, these guys that had these extra years and having to go into that. So what I want to get into with you just real quick as one of our talking points, is that something that you think can be altered this year or that the Packers maybe have to alter as we get into this board? I think it always would be right. I don't think it has to do. I mean, COVID put them in this position, this position. But I think with like Raymond, the 25 year old, I think he's off their board. I think that is regardless. But I think when you start getting into like Jermaine Johnson is going to be a 23 year old rookie. So he's not like super old at all, but that's old for who they've gone after as first round picks. And if, you know, if it's between him and Mafe and, you know, some other prospect that's 23 because they got an extra year of eligibility, I think they would fudge on it if they if they really liked the player. I mean, we saw them do it with Jair. Jair is, was under their their height threshold, and Goody basically said, "Yeah, we we just liked him enough." And I think that is part of all of this is we look at all these measurables and we put them through this stuff, but the Packers stuff to like the kid, you know, like he's you got to make these all, all these check box, you got to check all these boxes all these things, and then you still have to actually appreciate their tape. And that's where we just really don't know. So we do all this stuff with trying to guess and trying to basically kind of limit the pool of players. Um, and I think they'll – I think the Packers are still just going to pack her, man. I, I really do. I think they're still going to stick to their thresholds, and I still think they're going to take a young kid. Um, I don't think they're going to take a 23-, 24-year-old guy in the first round, but they could. And that would be the reasoning behind it if they did. And that's how we would explain it is they had four guys they really liked and none of them were 20, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Uh, you know, who is 20 George Carl Loftus, but uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. And we talked about him last week. He's not an interior defensive lineman, but uh, the, there are rumors that he is going to go in the second half of the first round and he hits every right box. here, baby. And he, and he is a 20 year old. He will be a 20 year old rookie. Come to daddy. Yeah, I am that'd be fine. Him. People are split on him. People are split on him. And that's fine. So they can be split. The people like that, and the people that don't like him will be very happy to be wrong in three years when he's starting yeah. across from Rashawn Gary and racking up sacks because I think yeah. he's a stud. I also think that Edge – I always think Edge was going to be a priority, but now they don't have that fallback option. Whitney Merciless retired today, so I do want to set on that a little bit. I just think the Packers – like you said, the Packers are going to pack her. And I, I sincerely look forward to when they're on the clock at 22 or trade up and yeah. don't take a receiver and then everybody to freak out for them to then well, watch. Then they would take you, 28, 53, 59, take three straight receivers. You remember, I mean, let's go back a year, guys. Last year when the Aaron Rodgers news hit, I don't remember why all of a sudden everyone felt like they they had to take a receiver last year too. They're like, oh no, Aaron Rodgers is pissed. They got to take a receiver. That was kind of the vibe. And then they didn't. <laughs> They're just like, uh, nah. 
yeah, yeah. yeah Aaron's Aaron's pissed, but we're going to take Eric Stokes. We, we well, like and the whole thing about the last year, and I've talked about this a lot with you and others and everything else on the show. It was funny because the day after the NFC Championship game, Green Bay loses to Tampa Bay. Everybody that's sitting here is saying, okay, Green Bay's number one need this offseason is cornerback. And then we go through the whole offseason, like corner, 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 corner. The only corner that they signed was Kevin King. So they need to find somebody to end up, end up replacing him at some point. And then like a week before the draft, you get this smoke that they really love Rashad Bateman, which they did. Mm-hmm. And they start talking about Elijah Moore and just short receivers that they were never, ever going to draft in the first, or very unlikely. I don't want to say never, ever, very unlikely to draft in the first round. And it was almost like that week. We just forgot that, Hey, they took a corner who's probably going to start for them at some point this season. And that was their biggest need. It's like, we got receiver fever and granted the need is much bigger this year than it's been in any year in a very long time because Devontae Adams isn't here. But if there's anything I've learned about Brian Gutekunst, it's a couple things. Number one, he's not going to panic. If there was any year to freaking panic, it would have been last year. Oh shit. The quarterback story is out. We're moving up and we're moving up to draft. Name your receiver. Doesn't matter which one. They didn't do that. Yeah. Or Aaron, what receiver do you want us to pick? Which guy do you like? We will go get him. You know, like that's what everyone nationally thought they should be doing. They're like, oh my God, you messed it up this badly. You better get him on the phone right now and figure out who he wants to take. And the Packers were just like, no, <laughs> that's not how we operate. That's not what we do. The way we do things has made us very successful for a long time. And we are not going to deviate away from that. So like that is, that's the counterpoint to Will they bend the rules this year because of COVID and because of older prospects? Maybe. I would still say no. I, I'd still say they're going to stick to their guns and they're going to stick with what's been successful for them. Um, I would, I you know, there, there is a chance that they get backed into a corner and they're like, hey, we got three guys that we like and they're all older. But until that happens, we're just not going to know. I'm back. I don't know what happened. Oh, there's two of you. Oh, there you are. Yeah, I don't know I what was happened. Just, I was just saying, Jacob, uh, you know, they could get backed into a corner, but we're not going to know until that really does happen. But no, uh, and here's here's the thing. I do think that I do think one of your theories that has come up is possible, and that is that they'll be aggressive. And and talking about how, like, you know, two years ago when they picked Jordan Love, they wanted Justin Jefferson, couldn't get him. They wanted Brandon Ayuk, got sniped for him. And then they moved, obviously got Jordan Love after that. And then last year, Rashad Bateman was the guy that they liked, weren't able to get him. I do think that it is possible that Gutekunst just says, you know what? Fuck it. I love Jamison Williams. And we're going to go up and get Jamison Williams. And maybe we'll overpay, but the whole idea is to get their guy. And I won't be surprised if, like I said, two of their first four picks are receivers. But we are not here. Let's talk about receivers. We will talk about draft strategy as we get closer, but I did want to address that stuff as it's come up. I did want to talk about the potential DK Metcalf trade package that was mentioned yesterday. Uh, very quickly, it was, and this is from Bleacher Report. This isn't sourced reporting, nothing like that, but pick 22, pick 53. So the two picks from Devontae, pick 140, which is a fourth round pick this year and next year's third round pick. Uh, very quickly, my answer to that is hell no. Uh, I'm not doing that. I, for one, don't really want to trade a first round pick for any of these available receivers. Um, I understand that they might have to. And if that's the case, understandable, get the player. I get that. But just in general, Jake, you and I are on the same page. 
I don't think receivers drive wins. The Packers have had the best receiver in football for the last three years. They haven't been to a Super Bowl, let alone won it. I just don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. I do think that you can think those things and still think that they need a veteran, which they do, and they still need to add somebody significant, whether that's a first, a second round pick, or both. But at some point, we got to stop obsessing over fantasy football players as if that's the difference between them getting the Super Bowl or not, because it just hasn't been. For the three years that Matt LaFleur has been here, the Packers have not lost a playoff game because they didn't have enough receivers. That's just not what happened. Iowa Joe, that was a report from Howard Eskin and then retweeted by uh, Dove Kleeman, everybody's favorite robot that worships Tom Brady. That was uh, reported later and confirmed as false. So that sounds like a play to up the up the offers, but we'll see. The thing about DK Metcalf that's been interesting to me for everybody to be like, well, why haven't they traded for him yet? Maybe Seattle doesn't want to trade him. Like that's certainly possible. And like Green Bay, I don't think needs to force the issue to trade for somebody that to me, my personal opinion with Metcalf is good, not great. Uh, that They're not trading for, you know, Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup or Randy Moss in his prime or anything like that. We're talking about Metcalf, who's a good player, but is he worth what? That was four draft picks and a contract extension. Have to give him, that's a no. So just real quick, your take on that no. trade package. No, that's stupid. That's dumb. Okay. I'm not, I'm not giving up that much for him. Nope. Okay. So that's dumb. We'll move on. Let's talk defensive line. It's a need for the Packers. Um, I would have argued before the offseason really got underway that it was a bigger need than it is now. Uh, they've added Jerron Reed. And I think that Reed per usual, as usually happens when they sign somebody, it's a, overrated signing, if that makes sense. Reed's going to be a, a good player in Green Bay. Um, like I said, when they sign him at minimum, he's a one-dimensional run stopper. At maximum, he gives you some juice in the passing game, and you feel good about having him next to Kenny Clark. My thing is this, just as an overall assessment, Kenny Clark's awesome. Duh. Dean Lowry is coming off the best season of his career. That's probably not going to repeat itself. TJ Slayton's a fifth round pick that has shown a little bit, not a lot. Their second most talented defensive lineman last year was Kingsley Kiki, who now plays for the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. The Packers need some long-term juice in that room. And that is where, when you go back, I start talking about Travis Jones at pick 28. I'm for it. If they take, like if, if the NFL is going to overthink Jordan Davis, take him. And I would take him at 22. I don't care about the receiver room, like build the front on the line of scrimmage and be able to do things that way. If Jordan Davis is there, Jordan Davis to me is a top 10 prospect and he's one of, he's the most athletic player ever at that position and his size. Like that's just an incredibly unique prospect. And for somebody to say, well, he doesn't affect the passing game. I heard that same garbage with Vita Vea and you know, who's really damn good is Vita Vea. So I will take Jordan Davis, no questions asked. But just, Jake, real quick, your assessment on this room, is it a need? Does it really matter? You know, just those kinds of things, because I know there is some takes along the way. I think, you know, people want to talk about safety being a sneaky need. God, I think you take any guy, any interior defensive lineman in the top 50, he's immediately your second best interior defensive lineman. And you talk about, like, premium position. Like, we were talking with a media buddy about this just yesterday. And it's like, well, how do you evaluate what is a premium position? It's like, well, if you can get an interior defensive lineman that can create any type of juice as a pass rusher, that's premium. That is a premium position. Those guys get paid. Those guys are incredibly valuable, especially when you already 
you already have one in Kenny Clark, but the way he wins is a little bit different than some, you know, he, I think people have described him as a slow burner, you know, as a pastor. And that's kind of true. He is not a guy that wins quick. Um, so there are guys in this class, like the guy that I keep coming back to as a Packers fan, when you look at everything that they have liked in interior defensive linemen and front seven players, since Goody has taken guess, over. Because we haven't talked about this. His what? name runs with Schmogan Blall. Logan Hall? That's why yeah, his name I, runs with it. Yeah, I like Logan Hall. I do. Um, and the only thing, so I would love to see his workout numbers. He because he did not broad jump. And you look at what the Packers have drafted in the the front seven. So we're talking inside linebackers, edge rushers, interior defensive line. The one common theme for every guy they've taken is they are like an 80 percentile or better broad jumper. And so I think with the way the Packers play defense and their philosophy, doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is, they want guys that are going to be explosive off their front first step they don't really care if you can bend or, you know, people it's the Brian Burns versus Rashawn Gary debate. And Burns was the bendy Gumby guy. And Gary was like the, I'm going to run through your face and overwhelm you guy. And they prefer the overwhelm you type of player. And so I look at Logan Hall and that that's his game. Like that is his game. He is a long lanky athlete. Uh, I think the conversation was, well, where, where does he play? Where do you play him in this defense? And I think the obvious answer is you play him at five tech, but the Packers don't really play a regular three, four. So I don't care where you play him. Line him up next How to Kenny. On the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like, line him up next to Kenny when you have two down linemen on third and eight, and you just want two guys that have a little bit of juice in the pack. That's what they're missing without Kiki. You know, like that's what they got rid of is he was kind of the other guy with a little bit of juice that you could put in there on third down. They don't really have that guy. Lowry is would be the the next guy, and he's fine. It's fine, you know. Like they're not gonna. If Dean Lowry is their second best defensive lineman, they can win a Super Bowl with that, right? But like, go get a guy with juice. And we talk about Travis Jones. I love Travis Jones too. Let's just let's let's get that out of the way. I don't. I would not be shocked if Travis Jones is gone before pick twenty two. In fact, I would be like, well, duh. Those guys don't last. They don't no. like nobody talks about him. But here's, I, here's I the thing. Yeah, I got a rant. I got a rant. Here we go. Go. So in the draft, draft Knicks, dudes like you and me, we and and I'm guilty of this too. We tend to prioritize in our mock drafts and the, oh, this guy's never going to be there. Fantasy football players because we play fantasy football. And we like to watch guys make touchdowns, and I understand all yeah. that. The NFL doesn't do that. So the NFL, like, if you get into this, guys that play on the line of scrimmage, Derek Brown was drafted seventh overall. I think it was Ben Fennell who said this the other, earlier today. Travis Jones is a better prospect than Derek Brown, and Derek Brown was drafted seventh. Like, it's the old Ted Thompson line that we all kind of rolled our eyes at, but he's right. There's only so many big dudes that can move that the good Lord made. So offensive yeah. tackles, defensive linemen, and really, inter- even interior offensive. Quentin Nelson was drafted sixth overall, for fuck's sake. Like, and Quentin Nelson's awesome. But when you talk about, like, the argument then is, oh, is his positional value, blah, blah. Like, who cares? Quentin Nelson is the best player in the league at his position. Would you have rather them taken a shitty offensive tackle because he just plays guard instead of tackle? That's dumb. 
So what I'm getting at when you're talking about how this dude's there and then everybody's going to be like, oh, Travis Jones got overdrafted. Like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He's a defensive yeah, like, lineman that can move and rush the passer. Those dudes, you cannot overdraft them. It's the same with pass rushers. It's the same with offensive linemen. It's the same when Green Bay took Elton Jenkins and everyone was like, oh, they didn't take A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf or all these dudes. Why not? Well, I don't know because Elton Jenkins is a big dude that can move and plays all five positions on the offensive line. The Packers nailed that pick a million times over. I do not care what the receiver room looks like now. I don't care what the receiver room looked like then. It wouldn't have changed anything. Probably would have made the team worse if Elton Jenkins wasn't on this team the last five years. Think about so, it this way, too. If Green Bay came to Seattle and said, we will trade you Elton Jenkins for DK Metcalf straight up, they would say, Seattle done, says, deal, yes, sign it. Done, done yes. deal, sign it. Yes, before you change your mind. Like, they and would I would do it slap in Green Bay in the face if yeah. they did that. Yeah. Like, dead yeah. serious. I mean, when you talk about offensive linemen, it's just and, – and we've seen it. We've seen it, guys. The Packers had all their weapons. Adams, MBS, Lazard, Tunyon, Jones, Dylan, Jamal Williams, and all them dudes against Tampa Bay. And what do we always point back to? Why'd they lose? Because they didn't have their stud left tackle, which meant they didn't have their right tackle either. It's asinine to me that these fantasy football analysts come out all the time and talk about how many receivers that this team doesn't have and do this and do that. And oh my God, why would you take an offensive lineman? That's and, why. And who wrecked that game defensively for the Packers for Tampa? Vita Vea. The guy that had a broken foot, you know, and just got back, and he was 75%, and the Packers couldn't do jack squat against them. Like, I mean, they couldn't run the ball. He just, I mean, couldn't run the ball. He got enough pass rush. He just wrecked the game. Those guys so, do that. Travis Jones is that type of player. So the but, bottom line comes down to this. If you come at me and say, and I have friends who think this way, that that second defensive lineman or that offensive lineman they drafted instead of this tight end or fantasy you know receiver or something like that. If you say that just doesn't matter because it's less valuable, you are wrong. Wrong. Because watch the last two winners of the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay, who just went across the front of JPP, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, and Dominic Sue. Show me a weak spot there. And then you go to the Rams, who had Sebastian Joseph Day, who's not great, but a good defensive lineman. Aaron Donald, who's one of the three greatest defensive players ever. And then Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. And Lambo Labo, to answer your question, I got friends who do this, so I'm not knocking them. But nine times out of ten, the worst analysis on Twitter.com, you can almost always see fantasy writer for insert website here in their bio. Almost 100% of the time. The thing about Colin Cowherd, and I hate him. I don't like Colin Cowherd. But Cowherd has a three-hour radio show to do by himself every single day. You can't do that and have lukewarm takes. Like, we can't sit here and go, oh, you know, maybe this will work out okay. He has to say, no, Aaron Rodgers sucks. Time to move on. It's done. It's over. Move on. But to get back on topic. Your offensive and defensive lines are two of the first things you should always be looking at for team building. And it's something Brian Gutekunst and Ted Thompson before him prioritized the hell out of. And they should have. Just because it hasn't worked out in some spots doesn't mean they were wrong to do it. And that's why if we come out of this draft on the first day and say Green Bay's first round was Travis Jones at 22 and George Kalarftis at 28, there's going to be a lot of bitching on Twitter.com. I will be over the moon because I like both of those dudes a lot. 
and you're going to win more games. I tell you, what, Jake, who was the 49ers' second best receiver last year? Do you even know who caught the second most passes for them? I know who caught the most. Other than Debo and probably Ayuk, right? But you're guessing. You don't know that. No. No. <laughs> I couldn't no. name another receiver. Who caught the second cute. most passes for the Rams last year? Oh, it would be a probably Robert Woods or Van Jefferson or guessing, guessing. You get yeah. here that you get my point. Those teams didn't win because, and that's the narrative that is emerging and it is wrong because the Rams signed Odell Beckham and that, and this is what makes it wrong. Those guys, those teams, the Bucks and the Rams did not win because they had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. That stuff helped. They won because them dudes up front beat the piss out of your offensive line. Because I know the Chiefs in that Super Bowl were better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They still had Pat Mahomes. They still had Tyreek Hill. They still had Travis Kelsey. Still got Andy Reid dialing them up over there. Didn't matter because they started four guards in a center. Tampa just ate him. Same's true. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzoma. Didn't matter. Jamar Chase was wide the hell open for a touchdown on the last play of the game or one of the last plays of the game. Didn't matter. Why? Because Aaron Donald ate him. And now, granted, I'm not saying that you can get Aaron Donald in every single draft. Aaron Donald, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald. Take your picks. But you got to build that front on the line of scrimmage. This is the most important part of football after the quarterback. The line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So those corners, those safeties, those receivers, all that stuff, it's all well and good. But it's not going to matter if you stink up front. And Green Bay has stunk up front for a very long time. And one thing that I'm tired of hearing about is, like the point you made earlier, can Green Bay win a Super Bowl with Dean Lowry as their second-best defensive lineman? Maybe. They could have the last couple of years. But I think that's a poor way to frame these discussions. It's the same kind of discussion we had last week with linebackers. Can they? Sure. But the whole point is to build a good team in all those spots, right? So if you're trying to do that, you can't just say, well, we got that and that's good enough. If you're good enough, why not be great? Like, you mean to tell me Jordan Davis or Travis Jones or one of those defensive linemen can't make this front unit great with a capital G, to use Jim Harbaugh's words? Build it, man. That's probably what's unlocked. That's probably what it would take to unlock this defense, right? To really unlock this defense. So let, like, let's talk about some guys in this class that we think could be that guy that, that, can, that can unlock this defense, that can be that second interior defensive lineman. Um, that I already said, you know, I, Travis Jones would be great. He'd be fantastic if he's there. I would have no issues with taking him at 22. Um, if he's there, 28, I'd be over the moon about. Um, but those are like your three guys that I think a lot of people are like consensus. Probably won't be there. Maybe will be. Who knows? Is the, the Wyatt kid out of Georgia, who I don't think Green Bay is going to be in on. Older, um, does fit their athletic measurables, but like, so, so maybe. But uh him, Travis Jones, Jordan Davis, but then like beyond that, guys that, you know, and this guy was talked about quite a bit at the beginning of the process, and I feel like people have kind of cooled on him, but it's uh, Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma, and I don't know if he'll be there at the end of round two, and like, you want to talk about guys that could surprise you at pick 28. The Packers, every single year, have surprised me with who they took, um, and you look back on one. And you look back on it, you say, well, okay, well, that makes sense. And that was kind of my whole point with Logan Hall. It's like looking, if, if he was the pick at 28, 
which I know some people are going to be like, whoa, 28, that's crazy. His teammate, uh, Peyton Turner, low, at, at Houston, stuck into the end of round one as well last mm-hmm. year. And he kind of reminds me of him. And so he was like, connected to Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. They like and they like the length. They like the athleticism, all that stuff. Um, Winfrey is another kid. He he was getting first-round buzz. And I think, I think what happens sometimes in this process is – you know, pe- people like us will be like, hey, this guy's a first-round draft pick. And then teams will come out and be like, ah, we don't think so. And then he'll cool. But then it happens every year. Guys get cooled on. And then whoever was getting talked about at the beginning of the process ends up going where everyone thought they were going to go anyways. And so, like, I could see Winfrey being a guy at the end of round one. And he and he is a guy that is a, a sub-package type dude. At Oklahoma, they were basically asking him to play nose tackle. He was out of position. Uh but still still showed up, still played well, still did his job. He is a guy that if you play him next to Kenny, what he ought, what he would bring to this team is Perrion Winfrey wins quick. He is a quick winner. And it's not it's not Jarrell Worthy style. And if you get that reference, you know what I'm about to say next. He's not a snap jumper. He he's got good hands, he's got good explosiveness. Um so he's one a of the guy. best Mike McCarthy quotes ever was when Jarrell Worthy was injured and he came back. And they asked him, how did Worthy look at practice? He goes, well, Jarrell jumped off sides twice, so I knew he was back. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. He was That's... so fucking terrible. He was horrible. Well, you could get away with that in college, you know, but you get to the you get to the men's league, and they're like, this guy sucks at this. I'm just going to toy with you. And they did, and he didn't make it very long in this league. Uh, so, Perrion Winfrey is – That didn't help either. That also didn't help. Uh Perrion Winfrey is uh, he's he we have him ranked decently high in the Green Bay Draft Guide as well. Uh, I think he would be a really welcome addition to this de- defensive line room. Would you love to get him in round two? Absolutely, that would be an amazing. Pick. At the end of round two, that would be an amazing pick. That might be one of the guys that I'd be like hot, like most excited about at the end of round two. Um, another guy, I'm just kind of looking through my list of targets, guys that I think Green Bay would be interested in just based off of their measure- measurables. Um, another one, his name is Matthew Butler. Now he's only like a 7.2, whatever RAS type guy, but he's, you know, six, four, 300 pound type guy. He's got the prerequisite broad jump type stuff. You see it on tape. Um, another guy that's a, a, a versatile dude. And I think that's what they're going to probably value, right? Is someone that can play more than one position, uh, when they're going to bring him into this defensive line group, because you have Kenny, who's going to be your rock-solid nose tackle. You probably are hoping Slayton can kind of be that guy that's going to come in and spell Kenny in year two. And, you know, maybe they take a guy like the Kentucky kid um, that is a massive load. I think someone mentioned him earlier. Um, But the thing about Slayton is, again, Slayton was an elite broad jumper. Uh, The the kid out of Kentucky is not, so I don't know. But – I think he'd be a guy. Matthew Butler is a guy I'm still talking about. When you talk about like a guy that can come and get a little juice in the in the pass rush game, like him. Um, last guy I'm going to throw out that I think is probably a day two type guy is Thomas Booker out of Stanford. Uh, another guy, elite broad jump, explosive guy. Uh, you know, around that 300 pound range, six uh, three. The Packers don't seem to really care. Like and this is kind of weird because people care so much about like length in, in the intensive in, in defensive line group, but the Packers seem like they they as far as body types, they're just like we don't really care. Like, are you explosive? We'll we'll figure out how to make it work. And maybe they're wrong for that. I don't know. 
because they haven't had a ton of success with drafting these guys, but that's kind of what they value. And so there are some names that I think, you know, when you talk about Jacob, like how could this defensive line group become great? Like, I think you got those top two, two guys, Travis Jones and Jordan Davis. Like those are the two guys that like, if you can get your hands on one of those guys, watch out, like, because you really might unlock this defense and it really might turn into something special. Because when you look at the defensive side of the ball, edge group, they got two studs. They're looking for their edge three, which isn't, you know, that's a need. It's not a dire need, but you are, you're once you're one play away from Jonathan Garvin being your starting edge right now, which is not oh, ideal. God. Not ideal. I like Garvin. You hush. You hush. He's only 22 still. He's still only 22. He's a baby. I don't care. I don't care. He's, gonna be, he's gonna be all right. Uh, don't you okay me? Don't you dare okay me about Spider Garvin, okay? <laughs> I will say this. Uh, if there's one thing, I guess, that gives me hope, and I know it's a guy who's not here anymore, but I remember when Garvin was a rookie, and they were talking about, like, that was when they still had Z and Preston, obviously, and he's like, P- Mike Pettin says that, you know, Rashawn's going to be a big part of what we're doing, and then he said Garvin, too. So clearly they saw something, and it's not just Mike Pettin, because, like, the other guys are Garvin – Garvin Mike Smith loved year. him too. Yeah. And that helped. And I mean, I'm sure Mike the guys. Smith, Mike Smith running. also said Tipo is really good too. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike's not always right, but who am I to argue? <laughs> Mike Smith, the biggest loss for the Packers this offseason is Mike Smith's dip lip. That is the most Probably. impressive thing that I have ever seen. It's incredible. So, you were talking about a couple guys. You mentioned a few. One name I'll throw out it, it is a Michigan guy, and I'll cape for those dudes. But Chris Hinton is another one. I played in the middle of that. He's kind of the forgotten guy in this class because he played with Hutchinson and Ojabo. Uh, but he did play defensive tackle for them. A stout run defender, a little bit of wiggle in the pass game, just something that they could give you up front. But the big thing, like you mentioned for me, is when you start talking about te- building a team, is what do you have and what can you make them great? And I get the point here from True North here is you need good players in other spots. I, I understand that. I'm just talking about when we're talking about what's the more important things. To me, the more important things are going to be guys on the line of scrimmage as opposed to it's the same thing like, when somebody's like, why would they draft three offensive linemen on day three in back-to-back years? It's like, well, what, one of them? Maybe two if you like. I mean, I know we like Cole Van Lannon in these parts, but like John Runyon Jr. has panned out. They like Rice Newman, and maybe Van Lannon is good. We'll see. But like they've got a lot of guys like that. Defensive line, I think, is another spot where you could see them target one or two guys. And they've got a bunch of picks. I don't think they're going to finish with 11 picks. They'll move up um, in maybe a couple rounds to try and grab some guys. But – this is a position to me, the defensive line group, like you guys said, I would not be surprised at all if the Packers did defensive line and edge on day one and then went into day two and just pass catcher, pass catcher, pass catcher. Like, And honestly, like if you want to draw up a scenario, if they do like, let's say they go Kalarftis at 22, Travis Jones at 28, and everybody freaks the hell out and says they don't care about Aaron Rodgers and blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of day two, they have – George Pickens, Christian Watson, and Jelani Woods, or Trey McBride, just throwing a tight end. You mean to tell me you're not thrilled with that haul? Because I am. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's just me. You know, I understand. I'm just me. But like, the Packers are going to be able to add those guys, and I'm not. I'm not too worried or concerned about about stuff like that. So this is a this yeah. is a need to me, and it's a need. Like Jake, I mean, do you agree that this is something? As soon as pick twenty two, they could address. Now, the only way that I would just to throw that in there too is if it was for Jordan Davis or Travis Jones. Those are the only guys I would pick in those spots. 
Yeah, if it was anyone else, I would be annoyed. I wouldn't. I'd be like, if it was why it was a date or what? Wyatt Davis says name. Why can't I think of the Georgia kid's name? Devontae uh, Wyatt. Devontae, what was Wyatt Davis? That's a guard. That's a guard for like yeah, he played for. Uh, yeah. But anyway, anyways, I'm losing it, man. Draft season's getting to me. Uh, but no, yeah, if it was him, I would be like, I don't really get that. I don't think he's that good. But but that maybe is a little bit of group think too, because I'm not. I don't. I haven't really talked to anyone that thinks he's that good. So I don't know why he's being talked about so much, but we'll see. Oh, you, haven't uh, but yeah, to, you haven't talked to Ross Uglum then. Ross likes him. Um, oh yeah, well. a lot. I like him too. I don't love him, but I like him. Uh, it'd be fine. It would just be. It would be a. Uh, it'd be just kind of like a take your vitamins type pick. You know, like okay, eat your vegetables. Yeah, yeah. I also hated the Kenny Clark pick. So there's that. But so did I. Uh, who did you want instead? I wanted Noah Spence. I wanted Miles Jack. They took the wrong UCLA guy. And we both, and they were right. We were wrong. That's the thing, too. I always, you'll if, if you're new to this this game, I will always talk myself into whoever the Packers take. Always. I'm never, I'm never going to be the he's going to suck and I hope he sucks type guy. I'll be like, okay. Oh, I'm not that, yeah. but I never did talk myself into Jordan Love. I just want to throw that in there. Oh, I love, I like, you know how I feel about Jordan Love. Still do. But, um. Yeah, I'll talk myself into anything. Uh, I have the guy that I had to talk myself into more than anyone else in that draft class was Deguara, who I did not like in the pre-draft process. Got made fun of for how much I didn't like him in the DMs, and then when he was picked, I was like, okay, okay, he he can do some things. And like so far, my evaluation was correct the first time, but I'm not happy about that. I'd rather be wrong about guys. I'd rather I'd rather the Rashawn Gary thing happen, where it's like, oh man, I don't like that pick, and then three years later, I'm like. All right, I'm an idiot. Good. I'm glad. Glad I'm in, glad I'm not Goody. I do trust Goody's uh judgment though, his evaluations at this point. And I think all of all of us, if you're a rational Packers fan, you 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 you've seen what he's done in the first two rounds, right? Like I trust the dude. So Oh dude, I mean the first two rounds. So his first draft, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, and half of Darnell Savage because of the maneuver there. Josh Jackson stunk, but I don't think anybody who was watching that draft was like, oh, why did they take Josh Jackson? Like it was holy shit. They took Josh Jackson. Uh yeah. the next year was who was 2019? Oh, Rashawn Gary and yeah. Darnell Savage. And I know that people were gnashing their teeth about Rashawn Gary. And then of course Darnell, both guys have at least turned out they have both put on good film. Let's say that. Even if Savage mm-hmm. we're not sure about yet, they have put on good film. Uh Jordan Love, which okay. I, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. And then Eric Stokes. Stokes has been awesome. Stokes was awesome right away. Savage was good right away. Gary was good by the end of his second season, and Jair was good right away. And then that's just first-round picks. That doesn't include Elton Jenkins, who I didn't even bring up, and he might be the best pick Goody's ever made. A.J. Dillon, who's a good player. That goes back to my positional positional value argument, which, again, who the hell cares? And then last year's second round pick, Josh Myers, who's a starter, and he'll probably be a starter for a decade if they want him to be. So I trust Gutekunst. I feel really good about the fact that the Packers have four picks in the top 100. And if I had to bet right now, and I know this doesn't work with percentages and everything, but if I had to bet right now with the Packers' four picks in the first two rounds, I would bet you three of them end up being good players. How you judge what a good player is, I would I would like to say that it's a player who gets a second contract, but I don't want to go like, that specific because 
there's a lot of things that can go into contracts and stuff like that. But I would bet three of the four are going to be good players. Uh, real quick, before we close up, Jake, since it is the first pick or the, sorry, the first show that we've done in April, in the next couple of weeks, we got some special stuff coming up. Eric Crocker of Lockdown NFL Draft will join us. He's a Niners fan, so I'm sure we'll get some shit for that over the next two weeks, talking corners and safeties, both things I think the Packers could be picking, and we'll talk about that uh, the next couple of weeks. But just real quick, 22 and 28, you are predicting today based on what you think, what you know, what you think you know, all that kind of stuff. What's your prediction for Green Bay's pick three weeks from tomorrow night? Picks, three weeks, if there's two of them, three weeks from tomorrow night. Uh, Travis Jones, 22. My wide receiver one, George Pickens, 28. Oh, wow. That would be – that's a good first round, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to predict that they move up. I think they're going to go get their guy. I'm with the Morley theory that they're going to just go get their guy. I should have went with that because that is my theory. But I, I didn't I, know we had that option. I should have known oh, we had that option. Oh, now you do. So, well, too late now. You screwed it up. They but. will move up. They will move. I, I, I would almost guarantee they're not just going to stamp hat and take and pick at the four picks they're at. My theory is that they move up for Jamison Williams. Uh, I think that that is going to be their guy. I think the Packers love him. Um, I think Matt LaFleur has talked a lot about speed. This is a guy who he's, if he were able to run at the combine, he'd have been the fastest receiver in this class, I think. So I think they move up for Jamison Williams at 22 and I think, or, you know, somewhere around 22. And then the latter half of the first round pick, pick 28, George Kalarftis. I just think that's a guy who's going to fall for people are going to overthink themselves and let him fall in Green Bay's lap, and I will be thrilled. So good I cannot. Good teams picked up those guys. Ravens have done that for two decades. Yeah, exactly. And also, that's where... that would be I, – I know we're trying to get out of here, but, man, if it was Jamison Williams, the pick, one, he's awesome. Like, Yes. You're not going to catch me being mad that they picked him, but that would be fascinating to see people react about – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guy. There like, was a – They took a receiver. He's not going to – He's probably not going to play. <laughs> Owen Reese today did a mock, or it might have been yesterday, but I read it. It was Jamison Williams, George Pickens, and Tyquan Thornton were the three receivers he drafted. And I was like, man, that is probably not the instant impact type stuff that fans are going to be clamoring for. But God damn, if that wouldn't be good. Because I like yeah, I, all three of those guys. I, I'm starting to – so I think Olave is the best young – he'll be the best young receiver – I went back because I do have George Pickens as my wide receiver one. And I was starting to be like, eh, maybe I'm too high on him. Maybe I am too high on him. And I went back and watched him again. And, and and we got more film on him. I like him more than I did the first time. And I think he could play right away. I think he's going to be another guy that is going to surprise people with how good he is his rookie year. Because he his the, what, the hardest thing for rookie receivers to do in the NFL is get off on a scrimmage. And he's the best at it in this class. So there's that. All right. So there's that. And we'll go through that. We've got a couple more weeks. Like I mentioned, check us out next week. We've got Eric Crocker joining us to talk corners and then we'll talk safeties and then it's draft week. So we're looking forward to that on the bottom line by that green Bay draft guide as pointed out. It's coming out April 11th, Monday draft guide comes out. We've got a feature from each of us on there and 225 profiles set for your green Bay Packers to tell your friends, tell your family, everything like that be able to get those in. Appreciate you guys stopping by and chatting with us tonight. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. 
And you can follow Jake. He's at Jacob Morley for those that want to do such things. Enjoy the rest of your guys' week. Enjoy opening day for those of you that are baseball fans and celebrate stuff like that. Mr. Morley, I look forward to your Minnesota Twins running into my New York Yankees in the playoffs and getting swept once again. Thank you guys. This for is our year. This is the year. We're coming for you. We'll watch yourself. Right. Well, let's just start slow and say, you know, the Twins, I don't know if you know this, but the Twins have not won a playoff game, game, not series, game, since 2004. And they've been in the playoffs since then. I was, I was 15. I remember All I got out of that is you're old. We're out of time. We'll see you guys next week.